Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Let me invite you to take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We've been in a series for a few weeks now called Reaching Our Neighbors. Uh, the first week we we recognize that there's no debate. There's nothing to debate about here that the Bible tells us and Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors. And we are to do just that. And in order for us to love our neighbors, it means that we have to love them like Christ loved us. We have to love them enough that we'll go and tell them of the good news. And then last week, we looked at Luke 15, just the first 10 verses there of the lost chapter. And we, we have this understanding that we've got to develop a passion for lost people. That the passion has to be there for us. If we're going to love people the way Christ commands us to, if we're going to love our neighbors, well, we've got to love lost people. And so this morning, we're going to talk about loving our neighbors and so I, I happened to think this week as I was preparing for this message and thinking about it, I love sports as you know and I'm excited, can't wait. Next weekend is a big weekend, you know why? Football. football starts, college football, praise the Lord. We have something to get up on Saturday morning for. You know, college football season is about to kick off. But you know, we've been watching Major League Baseball and I, you know, I like Major League Baseball, we like, you know, like football, basketball. I like sports movies. 1990, uh, 1986 was one of my favorite sports movies. Not, not my favorite sports movie, but it's one of my favorite sports movies. It, it's about a small school in Indiana. And uh, they, they followed this small school in Indiana, their basketball school, and they get this new coach. Gene Hagman is the coach. You may know the, the, the storyline. It's the movie Hoosiers. Now, the only thing that would have made that, that movie any better would have been it had been about a Kentucky basketball school, right? Anyways, it's about Indiana basketball. And, and in the movie, Gene Hagman plays a, a basketball coach who's kind of got this reputation of being thrown out of basketball games. And he, he makes friends with a town drunk. He's also got a kid on the basketball team. And and he makes friends with him and he says, I need you because he's a fanatic of basketball. He knows everything about basketball, can remember everything, he's got a great mind about basketball. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be my assistant coach, but you got you to sober up. And so one night as he so, his scooter sobered up on the, Dennis Hoffman, play, uh, uh, Hopper plays the assistant coach. He, sobers up and he's on the on the bench one night and there sure enough Hagman gets thrown out again and Scooter's there as the coach he the kids are looking at him what do we do what do we do and he doesn't know what to do and so they get back in the game they're playing and then all of a sudden it's a tie game a few seconds left on the on the clock finally Scooter decides it's time for me to coach he calls timeout and he goes all right we're going to play we're going to run the picket fence for those of you who are not schooled enough in the picket fence it's really just a screenplay and he calls out who's going to run the picket fence. Don't. And the last thing he tells them, boys, don't get caught watching the paint dry. Now, 
For those of you unschooled enough to know what that means, what it means is don't wait around. Take action. Don't wait for the paint dry. Get going now. And you know, I thought this week as I was looking at this text, how much we need to stop looking at the paint drying and take action in loving our neighbors. Because you and I never know when Christ's going to return. And if we don't take action, there'll be people who left out. And so this morning, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 24. Jesus even said as much, boys, don't, don't look at the paint drying. Take action. If you have your Bibles in your Matthew 24, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? We'll begin at verse 20, uh, 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding grain with a hand mill. One taken, one left. Therefore be alert since you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this. If the homeowner had, had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You may be seated. Our text this morning the background is Jesus has been asked about his, when the kingdom of God is coming. In several verses here in this text, Jesus has been talking about that. He's been talking about what it looks like. Then he gets into the when here in these verses. This morning, here's the big idea I want you to catch. We do not know when Christ will return. Therefore... We must be ready and help others understand the need to be prepared. Catch that. We don't know when he's coming. But our job is to be ready and to help others be prepared. You get that? Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Christ left us with a mission. The mission... It's to go and proclaim. The mission is to go and tell. The mission is to be ready and to make others ready. And so that's our job. So let me point out a few things in this text that, that we've got to understand. The first thing is, Christ's return is, is unknown. Now, there are people who like to think and wrestle and look at Scripture and predict when Christ is going to return. Can I just tell you, 
Jesus himself doesn't even know while he was on this earth when he was coming back. He didn't. And you go, wait a second, isn't he the son of God? Yes, he was the son of God. But while he was here on this earth, he was completely human. And in completely human, that meant he could be tempted. That's why he went to the, to the wilderness and was tempted. That's why he was, he faced all the things that he faced. If he, if he couldn't have, why would he experience what you and I experienced? How could he have experienced it if he wasn't fully human? So while he was here on earth, he didn't even know when he was coming back. Nor did the angels in heaven know when he's coming back. So for you and I who have not the mind of Christ, but we are to work at having the mind of Christ, but we are not God, amen? amen. Look at your spouse and say, you're not God. Now, now you can go back to your spouse and neither are you. All right, all right. So now you got that out of the way, you, you, you can enjoy your lunch. Here's the thing. No one knows. Now, listen. There are people who love to spend their time looking at Daniel and Revelation and, and wrestle with the signs that are coming. And there will be signs that tell us when the end time is coming. But even in studying those two books, we don't know the time in which Jesus comes. Do I think, the, our, do I think we're closer? Absolutely. Every day we're closer. We'll be closer tomorrow if God gives us tomorrow. But we don't know when the time comes. And so rather than worry about when the end time comes, let's worry about who's going with us. Because do you know somebody who's not prepared to go? So quit worrying about when and let's worry about who. Let's take, them with, let's take as many with us Rather than going, hey, I won the lottery. I picked the right date on the calendar. Because no one really knows the return. The second thing we find in this text is, is this simple thing of Christ's return will be sudden and unexpected. Sudden and unexpected. He uses the, the reminder of the days of Noah. The days of Noah. And that when Noah came, there was all these, in the days of Noah, there was all these things happening. Talking about marriage, giving in marriage, and everybody was laughing and having a good time. All these things were happening. But then suddenly, it changed. Now, sudden can be a good and a bad thing, can it not? I mean, for example, sudden uh, good things. Your boss walks in and says, you know, we've noticed you've been doing a great job. We want to reward you for that. Is that not a sudden good thing? That's a great thing, right? You've been doing such a good job, we want to give you a pay raise. Hey, we like those sudden good things. You've been doing such a good job, we've got a new car, we want to bump you into that and take your car and give it to somebody else. Those are good things. Sudden can be a bad thing. Sudden can be a bad thing like you walk in, your spouse goes, hey, I want a divorce. What? I thought we were doing good. Or your boss walks in and says, hey, you know what? We decided to downsize and you're part of the downsizing. Sudden can be good and bad. It all depends on what side of the sudden you are. Right. 
in the days of Noah. Who was on the good side? Noah and his family. Who was on the bad side? Everyone else. In Christ's return, there's a good and a bad. The reality is when Christ returns, there's going to be no more redemption. The decision will be made. There'll be good and bad. There'll be those who will spend eternity with them and those who will spend eternity separated. There won't be, oh, let me, let me change my decision right now. Too late. Just like when Noah boarded the ark and the door closed and the rain fell, the decision was over. Sudden and unexpected. It was over. And in that moment when Jesus comes back, that's what's going to happen. So again, as you think about it, who in your world that you know, if that return came tomorrow, the sudden would be heartbreaking. I often wonder if Noah, and we won't, listen, this is just my thoughts. This will not be our thoughts in the return of Christ. But my thoughts with Noah is, did they ever hear people outside banging on the boat? In Christ's return, we won't. But it'll be sudden and unexpected. The third thing we find in this text is simply Christ's return will cause sudden separation. Sudden separation. And I want you to catch this for a minute. We're going to camp here for a few minutes. Look at the text with me. Verse 40 says, Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding grain, and one with a, oh, gr- grinding grain with a handmill. One will be taken, and one left. Here's the thing. There's a lot of debate as to as the meaning of this text. One will be taken and one will be left. Which one's which? Is the one taken, taken in judgment, or taken to rescue? There's a lot of scholars who have lots of conversations as to which one is rescued. Notice Jesus doesn't give us that answer. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that we understand there's a separation that's going to happen. That all of a sudden that there's going to be this, this understanding that in the blink of an eye, this great separation is going to happen. The two women could have been sisters, could have been relatives. The two men could be a father's son, could be brothers. It doesn't matter because salvation only comes by your knowledge, not by somebody else's. We don't know the debate as to whether the ones taken are taken in judgment and those who are left are left for Christ or vice versa. But there is a separation. There's this moment 
in which this takes place. Jesus even tells us there's this separating of the sheep and the goats. Bless this woman's heart this week who's interviewed. She, she used the sheep and goats illustration. She's frustrated with what's going on in the world and she's trying to act as if she's a Christian and she said, I want to be a goat. Bless her heart, she missed the whole biblical analogy. You want to be a sheep, not the goat. Jesus tells us there will be a separation. We don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's kind of like, like that thing. When I was a kid, where's Durrett? I have to watch where he is and what I'm about to say. Uh, when I was a kid and I got called to the principal's office, you know, the principal called down and said, Mr. Brown, would you, would you send Mr. Carter to, the, to, to my office? Everybody in the room would go, ooh, and you know. And they know likelihood I was probably in trouble, and so I'd go down to the principal's office, and maybe I was in trouble, maybe I wasn't. I, who knows? Uh, probably likelihood most, most of the time I was in trouble. So I'd come back to the classroom, and I'd walk in. Everybody, teacher would be teaching, and they'd all be watching and see what I was doing when I was walking in. I'd walk in. You know, just give them, you know. Because they all wondered, did, did, you, did you leave because you were in trouble or did you leave because of something good? Listen, when God comes, he's going to separate. It'll be sudden. But when he calls us, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And he's going to gather his children. The question is going to be, who's going to be left? Who? And here's the thing. There will be no sorrow in heaven, so we won't look around and miss Billy, or we won't miss Uncle Tom, we won't miss Aunt Betty. But, but if you think about it right now, and you realize that they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it ought to break your heart. Because if God calls them home tomorrow, or if God comes back tomorrow, you know where they'll spend eternity. Separated from God. Friends, there's a reason why we are supposed to be loving our neighbors. Because we are the message to go proclaim that salvation is through Christ alone. And if we don't love them enough, who will? See, the disciples were all concerned about, when are you going to come back? And Jesus was more about getting the message out. Even in Acts, as he is about to ascend, is that at this time you're going to restore the kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus say? It's not at this moment. This is not the time. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Why? Because you are my messengers. You are to love people and tell them about God's love.
J.C. Ryan, uh, uh, an English bishop says this. You'll see it on the screen. He says, the world will not be converted when Christ returns. Millions of professing Christians will be found thoughtless, unbelieving, godless, Christless, worldly, and unfit to meet their judge. Catch this. The world will not be converted when Christ returns. He even goes on and says millions of professing Christians will be found thoughtless, unbelieving, godless, Christless. And you go, how can somebody say that? Because Jesus said that. And you say, when did Jesus say this? Jesus says it in a parable called the wheat and the tare. And the wheat and the tare is a parable that Jesus teaches that you can't tell the difference between the two. They grow up in a field and they look identical. The head on the wheat and the head on the tare look identical. The only way you can tell the difference is if you open the head and you know what's inside. For the wheat has the grain, the tare has nothing. J.C. Ryle said in the 1800s, the world won't be converted when Christ returns. It's too late. In fact, there'll be those who even call themselves Christians, realize they're not. I say that to say this morning, we've got to know that we know that we know who Christ is. Because one of the reasons why I think the church has failed in its duty to proclaim Christ is because we struggle in our own relationship to know Christ. So it leads me to the fourth point. This fourth point is simply this. Christ's return must keep us alert and busy. Keep us alert and busy. I love this imagery that we find in these closing verses, verses 42 and closing. It's that of the thief. It says, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake or alert. I, I love the idea, the thief. Here's the thing, thief gives you the imagery of value, does it not? You ever known a thief to break into a house that didn't have anything of value? I mean, I, well, my days as a chaplain in the police department, we, we've never, I, I, maybe it has, I, I shouldn't say never, that's, Jesse Reed always tells me, never say never. Was never, I, I was never with them on a burglary that was on a house that didn't have something of value. New construction site. Still had something of value. Copper from the water pipes. You know, those types of things. 
Most thieves look for something of value to break into. The thief coming to steal is a value. Why is Jesus using the thief as an illustration? Jesus values you. He values your heart. He doesn't want any, he doesn't want the devil to take you, to take your soul, to take your thoughts, to take your life. In fact, he says in Matthew 16, was it profit for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? The other thing about this verse that stands out to me is the idea of procrastination. Anybody admit you're a procrastinator? Oh, we got some honest people here. The rest of you will have an invitation here in a minute. Now, some of you, listen, let me, let me be honest. Some of you I know are not procrastinators. I mean, if we were in a meeting and we set something by by. Two hours later, you're already working on it. I, I, I love you and I hate you at the same time, you know? Uh, and I'm, I'm a procrastinator at some things and I'm not a, not a procrastinator at other things. I'm a procrastinator when the teacher says, you've got a paper due in three weeks. That gives me almost three weeks to get it done. You know, that means in three weeks I need to hit the library. Um, you know, my parents, my, my brother and I are 16 months apart, and we're as day and night opposite as you can be. My, my mom would leave us a list when we were younger. This is when she didn't know any better to trust us to stay at home by ourselves. So at four and five when we were at home by ourselves, she would leave us a note for the day to, all right, maybe we weren't four and five, but we were... A little older than that. Um, she'd leave us at home for the day. And so she'd say, okay, here's your list of jobs to do for the day. She'd spell them out. Lee, you got to do this. Ernie, you got to do this. I would know mom would come home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 4. Lee would get up and do them all right away. So about 8 o'clock before I got out of bed, he had his list done. At 2.30, I'm screaming around the house trying to finish my list, and Mom's pulling in the driveway as I'm grabbing the garbage to take it out for the final trip and hoping I got it all done. Here's the thing. Some of us think we can do that when it comes to our relationship with God. Oh, just a little longer. God's not coming back yet. I'm, I, I may have, oh, I, I've got a good, another good 10 years before. I, I've got time before, and you know, I'm young. Why would I need to worry about anything eternal at this moment? Truth of the matter is, you're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised our next breath. When God 
comes, he'll come unexpectedly. And when he comes, it's too late. There'll be an accountable action there. So those moments when my mother came home early, she'd say, how come you didn't do all your work like your brother? And I didn't have a real good excuse. I'm sure I came up with one, but it was never a good excuse. Jesus tells us, don't worry about when. Worry about the relationship and who is going with us. As a kid, we used to play hide and go seek. You like that game? As a kid, when you play that game, you, you, you always love the, the game. We run, hide, and do all sorts of things. It was always fun to play. Um, even, even when you were the one who had to go find everybody else. You have that moment when it's your turn, you've gotten caught, you're the one who has to, to count. And you'd stand there and count, and you'd count as fast as you could so everybody had as little of time as possible to go hide. But when it was time, you would say what? Ready or not? Here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Listen, at some point, that's what God's going to say. Ready or not, here I come. I hope you're ready. And while I know lots of you in this room are, I know lots of you in this room have somebody you know that's not. Let's pray. Let's do all we can do to say that they're ready. This morning, if you're not ready, let me ask you why. What are you waiting on? Jesus loves you unconditionally. There's nothing in your past that, that you've done that he doesn't forgive you for. I mean, you look all through scriptures of the people he's forgiven. He's forgiven murderers, adulterers, prostitutions, prostitutes. He's forgiven all sorts of people. He put a tax collector as one of his disciples. I promise you, whatever you've done, he'll forgive you. He's just waiting for you to realize that his love is greater than your sin. So the question is, are you ready to be forgiven? God's not, God's not asking you to do any five-step program. He's just asking you to say, I'm ready to be forgiven. Yes. So if that's you today, the step is to say, I need to be forgiven. I realize God loves me. Reagan and Indy, India just showed you today. Forgiveness 
is recognizing that God loves you. He forgives you of your sins. That's what it is. If you're here this morning and that's your decision, I invite you to come in just a moment as we sing our hymn of invitation. It's about acknowledging that God loves you, that you're a sinner, and you're in need of saving. There's another decision on your heart to join our church family. You come do that today. If you want to come to the altar and pray for somebody, you do that. Whatever the case is in your life today, would you respond? Respond to a God who loves you unconditionally. A God who desperately wants to use you to make an impact on the kingdom. Would you stand with us today?